The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years. I am the baby boomer. And I am Jason Kinander. I am 18 years old. I am going to be a student at UT Austin in two weeks, and I write for Gojo Brew and a Fansided. So we don't always get along, but as we like to say, we do share a mutual love of sports, and that tends to get the conversation started in our household. Thus, the Sportscaster and Her Son podcast came to life. In this episode, I have always booked our guests. I have always come up with topics. Jason and I, from time to time, will discuss some ideas. But I have generally driven this podcast for the last (coughs) year and a half almost, right? And so I decided to let Jason choose who you wanted to talk to today. So in this episode, what are we doing? You you probably wish it went down like that, but in reality, you didn't have a guest. So I decided that I would take the bull by the horns Oh, you never come said up with that the topic. to me. You never said, "Oh, I'll do it. I'll t- I'll come up." I said, "Oh you know, no, I this can't. was in the kitchen a couple of days ago." You were like, uh, "We we have to get one more, at least one more episode in before uh, before you go to school." And uh, I can just see if I can get someone quick. I'm like, "No, no, no, I got it. I I got a guy. We can talk about blogging. We can talk a little White Sox baseball, and it'll be great." So, um, yeah, I'm very excited for this one. Well, tell us who it is. Tell us what, what we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about blogging with White Sox Dave of Barstool Sports. Um, one of the people that I have met online through uh, my introduction into blogging and um, being part of a baseball community, a newsbreaking community on Twitter. Um, I'm very, very excited about this one. Um, this should be a lot of fun, should be good conversation and a topic that isn't really covered too much because the people that cover sports are bloggers, so they don't really write about themselves. Or they are reporters that came from the traditional path of sports reporting, and not a lot of them like to talk about blogging. So tell me, Jason, how you fell into blogging. So I fell into blogging at the end of freshman year. Um, I started. I decided that after my time playing competitive sports was over, I would um, try to make a different impact in sports. And I always loved getting my opinions out there. Um, when it came to sports, love talking sports at school, at the lunch table in group chats during free periods, really anytime I could, I love talking sports, love watching sports. So, um, I just applied to write at all my favorite sites and I got into most of them, decided to write for fan sided. And then, um, after about a year, yeah, but a year, wait, back it up. You actually started like you were, you had your own, White Sox. Oh, well, no, no, no. It was a sports site um, that I had made through a free domain um, just for fun. And I decided that I wanted to get more credibility. So um, I went out, 
got hired by an actual site. Um, and ever since, it's been a ton of fun. It really has been very enjoyable for me. So you are going to be heading off to college and you are going to be studying the traditional broadcasting and traditional reporting for sports. What do you expect is going to be different? Well, I don't expect that too much will be different because I think I know what I'm getting into. Um, it's not going to be as much about what's different from what I'm doing now because a lot will be different, but I don't think anything's really going to take me by surprise. I think I know what I'm getting into. Um, you're looking at me with this face like, oh yeah, you, you don't know. You have no idea. You have no idea. (laughs) Well, you know what? Like I, I don't know. I'm just excited. I'm going to go in with an open mind, whatever they tell me that I'm the best at, I'm going to ride with. And, um, hopefully it's something that'll make me some money. Um, yeah. Is that like, is it the the bottom line? Is it you do it because of your love for sports or you do it for the money? Nobody writes about sports for the money. You're right. Nobody. You're exactly right. And you cannot, you cannot have a job in sports media unless you love sports. Right. You can do it because you love sports and because you want the money, but you can't do it just because you want the money. Because if you just want the money, you're going to major in business or you're going to major in something that will get you money. Do you know how many people used to ask me, you know, oh, you're a woman doing sports. Do you like sports? It would drive me crazy. It would drive me crazy because this town that we live in, Chicago, would eat you up alive if you didn't like sports and you were covering sports. They would eat you up whether you were a, a woman or a man. So when people would say that to me, it drove me crazy. I absolutely hated when people asked me, well, do you actually like sports? I mean, there's well, so do much. Do you actually like sports? Oh, stop it, Jason. Come on. <laughs> there's the so much that. more that goes into it. So um, what do you think about the negative connotation that people have against bloggers that, you know, oh, they're not real reporters. They sit behind their uh, keyboard and they type away and they can they can uh, write whatever they want. No one's checking them. They can I talk don't... about rumors. No one, no one's checking the rumors. Well, I don't think, I, first of all, I don't think that that's true at all. I think that that's something that is manufactured by the people that are traditionalists and that came up through the traditional method of breeding sports media members. The bloggers and the um, people who break news over social media are just simply a product of the generation. It's a social media generation. So obviously people are going to be getting their news from social media. So no, I don't at all agree with the negative connotation behind bloggers. And honestly, I don't really feel that negative connotation, especially not in my generation and in my age level. I could totally see where it comes from in your age level, but um, the social media era is driven by young people. And those young people generally have a very positive mentality behind bloggers. Is there a responsibility though, to check your facts? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody knows you need to check that you don't just you don't just tweet something because you heard it from one person. You need to be sure um, that's how you lose credibility is when you're wrong on something, when you're blatantly wrong on something, when you're frequently wrong on things. So um, obviously common sense needs to come into play, but you don't need to come up through the traditional broadcasting method. In fact, a lot of a lot of the most popular broadcasters or sports media members did not come up the way that you came up. Such as who? Such as Shams Charania of The Athletic. He yep. started out with Chicago Now putting in Bulls scores in high school, and now he's arguably the top NBA news source. Um, I mean, there are many, many other names, um, but 
It's no, it's simply a product of the generation. And as the world continues to move in a direction that is more tailored to social media and technology, obviously sports media and the way that we receive our news as a um, as a nation is going to go in that method. It's going that way as well. So, you know, what's interesting is uh, last week I was chasing down a rumor uh, about a, um, a, a it was a Bears story and I was chasing down this rumor And what I found was that it all came down to a blogger, that a blogger had put something out there, right? And so people started watching it and started calling and asking, you know, the bears and started asking other reporters, have you heard about this? And so everyone started doing their homework before they could um, give it any legs and find out if it was true or not. And it came down to, and I, I checked on the video blog of this one blogger. And he did something that would be like a cardinal sin in traditional sports reporting. And he said, okay, I need to address a rumor. So this rumor, and he said the rumor, but he basically said the rumor on his video blog post. So he was perpetuating the rumor by talking about the rumor. And in traditional journalism, you don't talk about rumors until you can get something that's been actually verified, right? So that bothered me because I thought, gosh, you know, this really gave legs to a story that went crazy and uh, it shouldn't have been, if not, you know, for just following a couple of rules. And I think sometimes some of the, the newer bloggers want so badly to just get more um, followers that they will put that stuff out there without validating anything or verifying anything. And, yeah. um, you know, the rumors get them followers. And, I, and that's what bothers me, I think, yeah. the most. So Absolutely. Uh, so what do you, have you learned anything from what I have taught you about traditional journalism that you think is good and that you take, will take with you in you know, your broadcasting? Well, obviously the fact-checking, um, cross-checking with sources, um, always making sure that what you say is factually correct when it is an informative piece of writing, um, and really just kind of like the basics when it comes to reporting, that kind of stuff. Um, when it comes to um, doing stories, you always want to tell the full story. You don't want to come off as biased. You don't want to come off as leaning one way or another. Um, because when it comes to sports, there's no left wing or right wing in sports. It is just very straightforward. Obviously, you can have opinion based work, which is some of the most popular. You have first take and mm-hmm. get up are two of the most um two of the most well-watched and popular sports shows because they're so opinionated. Um, So just staying true to what you believe in, but at the same time being realistic and keeping a level head and obviously delivering the facts above anything else. So this brings us to our guest that you have set up. And tell me a little bit about the site that he works for, because you, I think you know how I feel. And I'm open-minded. Uh, I respect that this is um, a site that, that you like. Um, but give me a little idea for those of us um, that, you know, of my generation that may not be aware, although everyone knows them. Yeah, so Barstool Sports is obviously a sports media outlet, but they are much more tailored to a very specific demographic. And that demographic is people my age. So I would say high schoolers all the way up to 30-year-olds is their demographic. And anyone within that demographic is crazy for barstool sports. They are excellent at putting out content that is interesting. 
They have, I believe last year, a list came out of the top 10 sports podcasts and they occupied seven or eight of the top 10. Um, they, like I said, great content. Um, they really, they really hit all areas. They do. They're, they're not an ESPN or a CBS or an NBC that is going to report you the facts. They report from a different angle, which is obviously frowned upon, especially by by some people, especially your generation. But um, when you are someone my age and you know that you're always going to get the facts from ESPN or from Twitter, it's nice to see sports presented in a different way and discussed in a different way. Um, so that that's why Barstool is so popular. I'm I'm a fan of Barstool, especially White Sox Dave and what he does. And um, the podcasts are great. The content is great, and it, it's very obvious why my generation is so inclined to love Barstool. Be all about it. All right. So let's bring in White Sox Dave. So we'll just start out really quick talking about the White Sox. So obviously, great start so far. I've been very excited. I know you've been very excited. Give me just some some off the top of the head, some thoughts. What are we, 11, 12 games into the season? 12 games into the season, it's going pretty much how I expected. I will say this. I thought that Luis Robert was going to struggle from the get-go. I thought, I thought he had a few flaws in his swings or his swing and his approach to hitting. That was He was going to get kind of exposed to by big league pitching, like I said, and uh, he hasn't he hasn't at all. He's a superstar. Been one of the best players in baseball other than that. Mankata, Eloy doing their thing. The pitching hasn't been great. Uh, the bullpen has the starting pitching, I should say. Other than that, like, if you would have asked me, you know, a month ago when they had to restart, what, they're 7-5 and five right now. If you would have asked me if they were going to be 7-5, and five, would you be happy with that? I'd say yeah. So even though they had the 1-4 start and the six-game win streak, I'm content with it, but they're going to keep getting better. I mean, injuries aside, you know, shut down, assuming Corona doesn't, you know, knock baseball out or all sports for that matter. Yeah, I'm happy with it. I think they have the talent to win a World Series this year. I truly believe that. Absolutely. So it, it's going to be fun for the next decade. So this is just this is just the start. So do you think that the 60 game season is going to help them? Because I think that at least in recent memory with the White Sox, it's been like really hot, cold. They either get in like get off to a horrible start. Like I'm trying to think of a good example. I think it was like 2018 or they get off to a really good start like 2016 or maybe some people could say last year was a good start. So do you think that the 60 game season, the shorter season is actually going to help them make the playoffs? At this point, with how the schedule shakes out with the expanded playoffs, it would be a major, major disappointment. Something would have had to go wrong for them not to make the playoffs. Like, I'm talking major injuries, like, you know, Giolito goes down, then Robert goes down, then Mikata goes down. There's no excuse for them not to make the playoffs when that was 16 teams make it now. That's yep. over half the league. So, I mean, we've seen Tim Anderson go down. We've seen Carlos Rodon go down for a third or fourth year in a row, whatever it is. Uh, Lopez is dinged up a little bit. That's the only thing stopping this team. They're but they're young enough and they're youthful enough and they're talented enough where that talent should win out and there should be no excuse for them not to make the playoffs. None at all. Okay. I think we need to go back to the Luis Robert love because Jason, you really kind of glossed over there's like a lot of man crushes on the south side of Chicago these days. And it's all for Luis Robert. I heard <laughs> one radio guy, I could not stop laughing. Dan Bernstein said he looks like a statue already. His chiseled features <laughs> and everything he does. 
does from running the bases to I couldn't stop laughing. It There is major man crushing going on. And Dave, when you said that you really thought he was going to struggle, you're not the only one. So did the White Sox. I mean, they had him buried in the order and not anymore. Everyone is stunned at how well he's doing. And he seems to be thriving in the spotlight. Yeah. And uh, to his physical stature, Rickon had a quote and it was a couple of days ago. I forget who he was interviewing with. I think it was just like a post-game presser. Um, when they were originally scouting him, so since he's from Cuba, it's hard to get eyes on a lot of Cubans because of the whole trade embargo, all that stuff. They had to sneak into like a backfield and like spy on a tryout, him and uh, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. And Rick Hahn was quoted, and I, I don't want to, I know real journalism, you're supposed to like have work for it, but basically he said, like, I think that's the Under Armour mannequin that just walked onto the field. It was something like that. And right. that's what he looked like. We've all seen his Instagram. He's carved out of wood. You know, he's a picture perfectly aesthetically pleasing human like i'm not just talking about like his six pack and his pythons for arms i'm talking like he's a good looking kid and he's smooth and flashy but he's also very cerebral as a hitter like i i like i said i thought he was going to struggle mostly because he's very aggressive and i thought he was going to be fed a steady diet of off-speed pitches off the plate which he's going to swing through and no big league hitter is going to hit those pitches because they're off the plate you're not going to get good you're not going to get a barrel on them and You've seen him, he'll, he'll look really bad one at-bat, and then even the next pitch in that at-bat, you'll see him take that pitch and look for a pitch that he's comfortable with putting a barrel on, and he'll hit a gap or hit it out of the park. And for a 20, that's incredible, but you got to pair that with how physically imposing he is. He's just a freak of nature, and and I've, I've honestly never seen someone in Chicago baseball as talented as him. I said this one because I was watching his tryout videos when they originally signed him. I think it was 2017, I want to say. And, uh, like, I think if he were American, he would be starting at, like, Clemson or Alabama at wide receiver right now and be, like, a top five NFL pick if you wanted to because he's that athletic on top of having that good of a brain. Did you see Bo Jackson when he played? I just a little too young for Bo. He retired in what was it, ninety two or ninety three? I want to say. Yeah. And I was born in I was born in eighty eight. So. Um, <laughs> well, but it reminds so I me. I don't remember him. Maybe not the same skill level, but his athleticism could supersede uh, anything. You know, whether he was running up the side of a of you know the outfield wall, uh, running through bases, throwing out guys you know from the outfield at home plate. I mean, he. he he was very similar, just like this freak of nature, um, so athletic. But I, I, I'm with you on this. Luis Robert, man, he has all the skills. And it's uh, the love is, is pure. The love is pure. So I have been telling everybody, all my baseball fan friends and, and family, and I've been telling them that Luis Robert is the best player from a talent standpoint on the team. He's arguably their best pure hitter. He's definitely their fastest runner, and he's definitely their best defender. So I am all in on the Robert craze, as everyone should be. So one more White Sox-related question for this season. Let me hear a prediction. First, where what they're gonna, what place they're going to finish at, and if it is in the playoffs, do they win a playoff series? Go. I'm going to say they're going to come in second to the Twins. The Twins are just, they're a year ahead of the White Sox right now. I don't think their window is going to be near as, as as elongated as the White Sox because Nelson Cruz is older. They're not going to have the money to sign these guys. And 
what Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, have done a great job of is getting these guys on deals that keep them in Chicago for at least eight years. So we saw that with Chris Dale, Quintana, Eaton, uh, Tim Anderson, uh, Eloy, Robert, Minkata. These guys all sign extensions that are keeping them in Chicago a long time. The Twins haven't done that. So the Twins are probably going to win the division this year. But the White Sox, like, it would – I'm saying this as, a, as like, to be as non-fanboy – homer as possible the white Sox, if they do win the division i would not be surprised whatsoever i like in talking to the players i we have a bunch of them on redline radio all the time they they're they're like they're ready to go like they were sick of losing they hated losing these guys are all competitors and they want nothing more than to win and i always tell this this story like before corona shut down uh spring training it was 7 a.m. and all the beat writers were getting to the to Camelback Ranch and they were getting to the locker room to do some pregame interviews and they were blasting. I don't know if you're probably a little too young, Jason, but do you, do you guys remember the techno song, uh, Sandstorm? Oh, uh, yeah, it was, absolutely. It was super popular in, when I was in high school, so like 2005, 2006. Oh, yeah. And they were blasting Sandstorm at like 7 a.m., full base, glaring, <laughs> just ready to go for getting pumped up for a spring training game. And that's the kind of stuff that makes me think, like, these guys want nothing more than to win. And we all heard the story about Dallas Keuchel's mom at dinner. The entire, not just the team, the clubbies, the bat boys, the general manager, all the scouts, like, they were at the dinner, and I think uh, Dallas Keuchel dropped 25 grand on the dinner in one night, and <laughs> they did a toast to winning. And, like, that's the kind of stuff I love to see. It reminds me of 2005, honestly. Yeah. When they were, you know, all singing uh, Journey on on their road trips and everything. So, you just said, on your Redline Radio podcast, how do you get players on? We do all the hustling on our own. So You don't um, go through the team? I, 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 at this point, no. But I always do give them the heads up, yeah. Wow. Um, as, like, a professional courtesy. So, if, like, Giulio or, or, or Radon or... You know, Danny Mendick was on last week or two weeks ago. If those guys, I'll, I'll do is hit them up. Be like, hey, you want to come on this week? And they, they like that our style of interview. We don't talk a ton about baseball. Like, we'll talk about Call of Duty or video games or music or, you know, what you put on your Italian beef sandwiches, like that kind of stuff. So it's like a, uh, it's a chance for them to kind of let their hair down a little bit and just be themselves. So they like that and they enjoy doing it. So are you are you around the team? Are you allowed to be around as a, a reporter? Do they the players know you, or is everything done remotely? Well, right now we have to be remote, obviously. Yeah. But um, if like they're, they've given me press passes when I've asked for them, but that's not what I'm here for. Like, there, there's enough people that, and like Scott Merchant, a good friend of mine. Um, like those guys all do a great job, uh, like covering the team from a beat writer's perspective, I don't try to do that. I try to cover it from the Homer fanboy perspective. And that's why that's what's made us successful in a way. So when is Steve Stone coming on Redline Radio podcast? <laughs> well, we will find out maybe tonight. Um, Come on. Last night, last night's Sox math winner is a friend of mine, Billy Rayfield. And uh, he won Sox math. So he came, came into our office today and they do the video for the next day that they air on the broadcast. Yep. I was in so I had him come into the office. We filmed the video. I'm not positive they're gonna let um, let like me be in the video, or they're gonna allow it. 
so we'll see. But I didn't say anything wrong to him. Like, uh, and I've said this a hundred different times in the last week or so. He said that, like, fans shouldn't be caring about wins and losses right now, that we should only be happy baseball's back. I disagreed <laughs> with him. I said, hey, like, we haven't seen a playoff team since 2012. We expected the team to be really good this year. They just started one and four. Like, what did you expect the reaction to be? And he blocked me for it. Like, I didn't say anything wrong. I didn't come at his neck or anything. And I never would. I, I idolized Steve Stone. Like, he is one of the smartest baseball guys you can yeah. ever possibly listen to. Yep. So I didn't say anything wrong. We disagreed. And he blocked me. He didn't want to talk about it, which, whatever. But I made a joke of it. And now I think, and of course, people took it too far and were, you know, sending him tweets about me that are completely false and everything. And... He, he like he wants nothing to do with me, but if that's the case, then I'm gonna do my job and have fun with it. So, do you think that his reaction was just like a straight up no tolerance to like going back and forth on Twitter, or do you think that he, in a way, like knew who you were or knew about the barstool brand and just didn't want to deal with it? I think that well, I do not think he knows what barstool is. He's uh, he's 73 years old. I looked it up the other day, so he's obviously <laughs> a little out of our demographic. Oh, um, man. I'm, I'm assuming he's not living on Twitter like, you know, all of us millennials are these days. And so I do not think he has any clue who I am. Once we had our little back and forth, and like I said, I wasn't like, I was mad at the team because I expect better. I didn't think, and I said it, I didn't, I don't think, I'm not worried about the team. I'm mad that the team's underperforming, which they did. They underperformed. Carlos Rodon came on the podcast after he got shelled his first start. And he's like, yeah, I sucked last night. I'm, I was terrible. I hung a slider first inning, 2 nothing. I can't be putting my team in 2 nothing holes. Like, they knew it too. The players knew it. They weren't mad at me. Nobody else was mad at me. So why, why is Steve Stone mad at me? Like, everybody was in agreement with me that the team was underperforming. And that's all I said. And he, and he was not happy. Actually, I take that back. He was in on the joke for a while until people were like, taking it too far and bombarding him with tweets, was, which was not what I intended whatsoever. So, um, I don't know. We'll but see doesn't, where it goes. doesn't that know. kind of come with the Barstool brand, though, is that you're going to get that whole, um, I, I don't even know how to describe it, like the the outrageousness and the, and the um, God, like some of the people that respond are just – it's vile, and it's you know I. That's why I've never followed it. No, no, I take that back. Barstool Big Cat, I like a lot, but mm-hmm. a lot of the other stuff, man, Dave. Like I just I can't. It's like it's stuff that is so can be so vicious sometimes, and it's not always. I will say it's not always like what you, it's not what you're saying. It's what the followers say. It's like the people that follow the brand can really drives me crazy sometimes. Do you understand that? They, that's the thing. Like people don't understand that that those people that take it too far, we don't like those people. I mean, we have millions of people that follow, literally millions across the country. And when you have that large of a following, there's gonna be a bad a bad seed here and there that ruins the fun for everybody. I like I, I I don't and I don't follow everything. I don't like everything that Barstool does myself. I don't listen to every podcast or consume every ounce of content that we do. People have said a lot of stupid stuff, but we've been around for 15 years. I've been with the site for eight now, and I've been full-time, fully employed by them for two now. And, like, these are, we're, everybody I work with 
will go to war for our brand because we know that all of the all the fallacies out there are exactly that the fallacies but of course there's like a comedy site that we are there's going to be jokes that don't land people have said really stupid things and things that make me cringe but that doesn't that's not an indictment on who like we are as a people there's always going to be those people out there okay let me ask you this then how did you write how did you start writing for uh barstool what was your um i mean did you go to college what was your business what did you major in and how did you get into the whole barstool blogging so when i was in college a friend of mine from high school who went to indiana university i went to north central out in naperville i played baseball there um we started a website um and it we actually developed a pretty good readership where we monetized it and i would make like about 500 we split it down the middle we would take home about a thousand bucks a month off off of uh, adsense and we'd split it down the middle and i would take that money i would buy kegs with it on the weekend sell the cups and make more money on top of what i was buying the kegs for so that was like kind of my income in college and then um once we graduated my buddy he went to Kelly Business School, so he got a super good finance job right away. I was going to go scout for either the Braves or the Brewers, but I couldn't afford it because they offered me twenty-two grand a year, and I had a private school education, seventy-five grand of student debt. So that's when Barstool reached out to us, and they're like, "Hey, we're starting a Chicago branch. Would you guys like to be contributors? We can pay two hundred fifty bucks a month." At that point, I was I was all for it. I was a twenty-two-year-old kid. I was like, "Yeah, absolutely! Like, I'd love to do that." And um, then so they, they paid me 250 a month. I had a full-time job. Uh, I worked my way up in the sales force at a couple different companies. And then Redline Radio got so big that there was no point in me working like, you know, a typical nine to five job anymore because I could just focus all my attention on our podcast and on our writing and, and make a pretty decent living doing that. That's so amazing. That's, that's kind of a quick, that's you know, amazing. It was a lot of hustle. Well, I, I, you know, I do appreciate you saying that, um, you know, Barstool, it's a comedy site. And I, uh, that's where I think I struggled in the beginning is that people were treating it like it was a, um, like the journalism site. Like you said, your buddy Scott Merkin and those guys that are beat writers, um, totally different what they're doing. And I, what I tell people all the time is I said, they're like the Dave Chappelle that, that they say the stuff that no one else can actually say. And it's, uh, it's entertainment. It's fun. But you guys have added some pretty darn good contacts and you have players and stuff now that, you know, are coming on your podcast. So you guys, I think, have grown a lot from the beginning as well. Oh, yeah. Grown like crazy. When I started eight years ago, it was in July of 2012, so almost exactly eight years ago. um, There was maybe 10 full time employees at the entire company, and I'm not including myself in that. because I wasn't full-time. I didn't have benefits or anything like that. But now the company employs almost 300 people. Um, and we have a legit like media enterprise in New York City, and then we have our office out in Chicago. So it's grown like 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 crazy. And it's, it's very overwhelming a lot of times because like I'm watching this happen before my eyes, and I'm in the middle of it. And it's like, how did I wind up here? But um, but yeah, and, and I'll defend the brand to the day I die, um, should it need defending. And if I disagree with something that is said, like I won't get in trouble for calling out, you know, a, a boss 
publicly or a coworker publicly, I'll be like, hey, that was stupid. Why'd you say that? Or, but a lot of times I won't do that. I'll bring it private. I'll be like, hey, you, you sound like a moron right now. Like you should delete that or you should figure out a way to spin it at the very least so you don't sound like such a moron. But like that's, that's when we're hired, like we're not giving a, a job description. They say, go spread your wings and fly. And that, and that includes men, women, gay people, straight people. It includes everybody. If you want to work for us, all you got to do is be funny. That is the only job requirement. And you got to work hard, obviously. Like, we're constantly hustling. Um, I'll, I won't be done until after the Sox game tonight, and then it starts all over again tomorrow. But the, like, like the whole, all the stigma of, or surrounding the brand, like, you, you never hear these people ask the women of our company what they think of our company. It's always, they, they, see, they see the same jokes that don't, that are bad jokes, some of them, and they, they don't land all the time. And but they never ask what the women feel like that work for us. And all the women that work for us will be like, yeah, I love working here. Like I have all the creative freedom to do whatever I want, to be as happy as I want, to, you know, to be a superstar if I want. And it's happened. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to point all these people to the empirical evidence of like all the success stories that we've had of people of color, of women, of men, of gay people. And, and that's like that's what I that's why I can go to sleep at night knowing that all these people that hate Barstool because of what they think it is, like, it's not true. Well, I would just say this, and I'm going to let Jason finish this off. And the only thing that I say, Dave, is that um, I truly believe that women should have the right to do what they want, to wear what they want, to be what they want. And mm-hmm. if if they want to be around, you know, the site that is has TNA all over it and, you know, has not the best history with um respectful tweets about women then you know hey that's totally their totally that is their right so and i believe you when you say that they love working for the company i do believe that but at the same time it's just not everybody's cup of tea to you know of course not you know that's all that that that's the way i see it that's the way i look at it like and going back to scott merkin like i love scott he's been from day one like seven eight years ago he has always been and he's a, like, he's, I, I don't want to call him a competitor, but we're covering the same team for different outlets. He has guided me through the thick and the thin and, and been just so awesome to me for no reason at all, other than he's an awesome guy. And he took a chance on me on a personal level. Um, but like, like the internet's a big place. There's room for everybody. Yeah. You don't have to like Barstool. You don't have to like MLB.com. I don't, you know, I don't read, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't read variety. That's just some uh, first, you know, publication that came to my mind. <laughs> I was going to um, say, I would I never, I never would have thought you would. <laughs> I love that. Exactly. That's the thing. Like I choose not to consume it. Right. I don't go out of my way to hate on them. Right. Right. So I'm with you on that. that. That's how I see it. And like, and a lot of the people that have gone out of their way to hate on us a lot of times, like you'll, you'll dig up old tweets of them saying, dropping F-bombs about gay people. Like in 2012 or 13, it's like, oh, so like, I'm not saying I've done this or like we've done that. Like, that's just an example. But it's like, hey, why are you calling us out for being homophobic or sexist when you have done all this stuff, too? Like either like like say you're sorry and mean it or like don't don't come at people and be hypocritical. That's how I see it. 
Well, it's just like, again, I, I said Dave Chappelle before. It's just like Dave Chappelle. He doesn't make excuses. He's entertainment. So, Jason, awesome. there you go. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate all the insight. Um, I really appreciate you educating my mom on Barstool <laughs> because I think she needed that. Um, and, yeah, let's go White Sox. Hope the season ends well. And thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. It's uh, I'm always... And I always tell this to everybody, civil discourse always wins out. And I think if if Mrs. Kaczynski would like get to know like anyone else at Barstool, you'd walk away like, wow, very impressed. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. And I agree with you. Open open arms, open eyes, and an open mind. And we're all good. Yep. Thank you, buddy. But uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. And if you ever want to do this again, uh, I'm always always available. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good one. All right. Well, you know, this is typically your segment, but I just have to add, I don't think I would have ever predicted that I would have anyone from Barstool on my podcast. So uh, that is a prediction that... um, Maybe you once had that came true. So I appreciate that, though, on your part. What's your predictions? So my predictions are that um, Chicago sports are going to continue to be excellent. Um, A very popular thing the past week has been the Chicago parlay, betting-wise. And I think I saw this stat on Twitter that if you were to bet the Cubs, the White Sox, and the Blackhawks in parlays last week, it would have hit... Um, two out of the three times. So the Blackhawks are one win away from qualifying for the playoffs. So I'm really going to hope I don't jinx them here, but I'm going to predict that that continues. I'm going to predict that the White Sox and that the Cubs continue to play well. Um, my second prediction um, is going to be that the NBA bubble continues to be a hit. It has been a lot of fun. There have been a lot of plays, but I'm going to say that there are huge upsets in the first round. There have been some, some games that, that have been close that shouldn't be close. The Brooklyn Nets beat the Milwaukee Bucks and they were 17 and a half point underdogs. So I think that we're going to see a seven over two upset in the NBA playoffs. And I think that we're going to see an eight seed take a one seed to six or seven games. All right. So here's my final thoughts. I'm a conventional sports reporter. I went to college. I studied radio and television and started working in small towns like Carbondale, Illinois. I did sidelines for high school games at Continental Cablevision in Romeoville, Illinois. I knocked on doors, and one time I sent out 150 resumes from Albertville, France, using the CBS Sports Facts machine while working overnights as a production assistant at the Olympic Games. Like a salesman, I had to earn my stripes working the streets meeting people who were at the bottom at colleges and minor league teams and one day hoping that you would be able to call on them when you or they or both made it big. So the influx of bloggers was definitely hard for me to accept. I fought to tell my friends that they needed to understand the difference between a website that's run by a newsroom and one that is a no-name blogger. Teams have fought with the same thing, having to chase down rumors that bloggers would report, while trained reporters would be subject to libel and credibility problems if they didn't have two sources to confirm their tips. But now, as my son and my podcast partner Jason heads off to college to pursue sports broadcasting, he brings with him a blogger's background. He has more experience than I did going into college. He has a few times actually interviewed a player or a team representative 
but he has also broken a story with his contacts. It's perplexing to me, but I am open-minded to understanding that there are new ways of doing things. And so I do hope that, Jason, you bring that entrepreneurial spirit to your career while also applying standards of journalism. I see other bloggers are now doing the same thing. As they become more popular, they realize they get credibility and more tips from actual team representatives that way. It's not the journalism that I was taught 30 years ago, but then again, what is change if we don't look forward, adapt, and make room for the future. Instead of looking back and saying, oh, I'm stodgy and old and we have to do it my way and the way I used to do things, I have a lot to learn with new media. I admit it, just like Jason has a lot to learn with old school journalism. And thus, somewhere in between, we shall meet. All right, don't forget, you can find the podcast website at thesportscasterandherson.com on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Thank you all for listening. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify. Tune in and wherever you listen. A reminder, if you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash sportscenter. Follow the simple instructions. Our thank you to White Sox Dave. You can follow him on Twitter at BarstoolWSD, as well as tune into his podcast, Chicago Sports Redline Radio. Stay healthy, everyone. Goodbye. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world.